the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. The rod of a shepherd was like a club that was used to fight off the predators to defend the sheep. This is not a psalm about the shepherd going around beating the sheep. Well, it's for your own good, smack, you know. That's not what that's about. This is a statement where David is saying, and thankfully, like a good shepherd who takes the rod to fight off the predators, the coyotes, the wolves, the lions, to protect the sheep, my good shepherd is my defender. That's how I'm comforted because I know that God is defending me. God fights for me. God cares about me and loves me that he's going to fight for me. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Psalms. A good shepherd fights for his sheep. In today's message from Pastor Gary, we learn that the rod of a shepherd was carried not to beat the sheep, but to defend the sheep. Just like a good shepherd, our good shepherd fights and defends for us. The Lord loves us, cares for us, and fights to protect and defend us. When we feel overwhelmed with the troubles of this world, we can turn to our Good Shepherd, who is ready to help us fight and win our battles. We are never alone in our valleys. God is always with us and will defend us. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in Psalms chapter 23 for part two of today's message titled, The Song of a Shepherd. It's interesting how much we think in our native tongue that everything has to be in English. Like, you think when you go to heaven that all people are going to speak your native tongue, don't you? Do you think in heaven people are going to all speak English? If your native tongue is English, I guarantee you, if your native tongue is Spanish, you're thinking, oh, yes, it's going to be Espanol. <laughs> Hermano. Uh, I, I don't know. I think there's a heavenly language. Maybe we'll just all learn the same heavenly language and speak the same language. But whatever it is, you know, there, there I was in Bethlehem thinking, this is very unique that sheep know Hebrew. Mashlomcha. Well, Jesus says, my sheep know my voice and they follow my lead. If you're on the wrong path, open up your heart to the Lord Jesus and follow his lead. He gave his life on a cross for you. That's how much he loves you. And he wants to lead you on a right path. And it's never too late. I don't care how young you are or how old you are. It's never too late to get your life right with the Lord. Well, in verse 4, he said this, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. That's the first part of verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear. Circle that word. I will fear no evil. This first part of the verse here has to do with fear. And the last part of the verse has to do with comfort. 
So we'll get to that second part of verse 4 in a moment. But first, he's addressing the problem of fear. And remember again from one of our bullet points about sheep, they are fearful by nature. They are downright neurotic. I mentioned last week they have eyesight that can distinguish colors. And so therefore certain bright colors startle sheep, especially yellow. If you wear yellow around sheep, they'll run from you. I had a lady between services come to me and she said that she was driving somewhere. I forget where she told me she was driving, but that there was a sheep farm right by the side of the road. So she said she got out and she decided to hop the fence and to try to go pet the sheep. And I said, what happened? She said, as soon as I hopped the fence and I just went, you know, here little sheep, little sheep, little sheep. She said, they just ran away from me. They just tore off. They just tore away. And I said, yeah, because they're afraid. I said, were you wearing yellow? You know, because I don't know, if you were wearing a color that startles them for real, they're going to take off and run. And and so they're easily frightened. They also have exceptional hearing. And because they have exceptional hearing, every little sound startles them. And so they'll run in fear of what they hear. They also, because they are defenseless, they're constantly afraid of predators. Remember I mentioned last week how they walk in a zigzag line because they're always looking over their shoulder thinking that a predator is about to get them. And again from last week, David says, you leave me beside still waters because sheep are afraid of running water. They have to drink out of a spring or a pool. They won't drink out of running water. It scares them. So they're very easily frightened. And one of the things that sheep are most afraid of is something called becoming cast. C-A-S-T, becoming cast. What is a cast sheep? A cast sheep is a sheep who ends up on its back and it cannot get upright. Did you know that if sheep end up on their back, they cannot get upright? There's an interesting commentary that was written on the 23rd Psalm by an author by the name of Philip Keller. He wrote a book called A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. Keller was himself a shepherd for eight years. And, uh, and, he, and he writes a beautiful commentary, a companion to Psalm 23. I encourage you to pick it up if you want to learn more about sheep and shepherds and Psalm 23. But in his book, he wrote this about sheep becoming cast. He wrote this, quote, A heavy, fat, or long-fleeced sheep will lie down comfortably in some little hollow or depression in the ground. It may roll on its side slightly to stretch out or relax, and suddenly the center of gravity in the body shifts so that it turns on its back far enough that the feet no longer touch the ground. It may feel a sense of panic and start to paw frantically. Frequently, this only makes things worse. It rolls over even further, and now it is quite impossible for it to regain its feet. As it lies there struggling, gases begin to build up in the rumen. By the way, sheep have four chambers in their stomach. They are one of the animals who chew their cuds. And so they have four chambers, and in the four chambers, they're now on their back. Gases begin to build up in their stomach. See, you're you're not too different from sheep either, are you? That guy next to you, he's got some sheep-like qualities, doesn't he? Anyway, so... So the the sheep now on their backs, can't get up, pawing frantically. They're now afraid. They're frantic. And the gases build up in in their rumens. And and Keller writes, he says, As the gases expand, they tend to cut off blood circulation to the extremities of the body, especially the legs. And if the weather is very hot and sunny, a cast sheep can die in a few hours. This is one of the things they are most afraid of, getting stuck on their back and dying, which might be the reason... Why there is this analogy here to the valley of the shadow of death. Now, that statement itself is the reason why Psalm 23 has become very popular at funerals. And I myself have read Psalm 23 at probably every funeral I've ever done. 
But the fact of the matter is, it really is not so much about death itself. I mean, it can have a, you know, the end result of what he's referring to here can, can be death, but it is not, this is not a gloomy statement per se referring to death. What this actually is a reference to is a specific place. There is a valley alongside the road that connects Jericho to Jerusalem that has been nicknamed the Valley of the Shadow of Death. Here's an old picture of it in black and white. And you can see here there's a shepherd standing in the middle of his sheep in this, this ravine here, this valley that is alongside the road from Jericho to Jerusalem. And this valley has become known as the Valley of the Shadow of Death because it would be in a place like this where thieves and bandits would be perched on the ridges to watch not just shepherds, but people making pilgrimage to Jerusalem back in the day, watching them walking through the valley, and they would, they would be prime targets, the people would, prime targets for these thieves and bandits perched on the ridges to come and rob you and, and to beat you up if they needed to and to take everything you had and sometimes even leave you for dead. This was considered the valley of the shadow of death. In fact, it is believed that this is the very scene here, this is the very place where the story that Jesus shares in Luke chapter 10 about the Good Samaritan took place. You remember that in Luke chapter 10, it talks about there was a man on his way to Jericho. He was on this road who was suddenly attacked by thieves. And they stole from him and they robbed him and they took his clothes and they beat him up. And remember, in the story, Jesus shares that a priest came along and saw this guy lying half dead on the side of the road and did nothing to help him. And a Levite walked by and saw him half dead and did nothing. And then Jesus said, finally, a Samaritan came by. And the Samaritan was the good guy who stopped and helped this guy and bandaged up his wounds and took him to a nearby place where he could find lodging and and paid his bill. It was interesting because Jesus used... A Samaritan in that story as a model example, because in Jesus' day, Samaritans were often disparaged. Uh, there was animosity between Samaritans and Jews often, and, and so to the Jews who rejected Jesus, it's interesting, Jesus kind of, he's kind of like giving it to him a little bit like, you know, let me use an example of a Samaritan who was, who was a good guy and did what a priest and a Levite wouldn't. But be that as it may, I don't want to digress into the story and the meaning of that whole story. It's just that that story likely took place on this road alongside the valley of the shadow of death. Because it was a, it was a dangerous place. It was a dangerous place to go because you, you always had to worry about thieves and bandits being around and coming to rob you and to harm you. And so the bigger picture of really what David is saying here is not so much the fear of death itself, although that can be part of it, but he's just talking in general terms about when you go through a valley that is dangerous or dark, or you feel depressed or discouraged. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, whatever your valley might be, you are with me. You are with me. Whatever your valley might be, you are with me. You know, there are a lot of fears that sheep have. There are a lot of fears that people have. I mean, again, it's a common comparison. Let's be real. There's some genuine fears that every single one of us has to some degree or another. I don't know if you know this, but there are actually over 500 documented phobias. Did you know that? Over 500 documented phobias. Now, I'll share one that I have. Acrophobia. Acrophobia is the fear of heights. I do not like getting up on high ladders. Anybody else relate? Come on, I'll start a support group right now. Thank you very much. My name is Gary. I have acrophobia. Uh, Some of you have claustrophobia. That's another well-known phobia. You don't like a a tight, confined space. Something like getting an MRI, going in that tube, freaks you out. You have to get loaded up with Benadryl and all kinds of things to even get through that. 
So there are some, you know, phobias that we're familiar with, and there are a few that maybe you are not so familiar with. I share three with you, and I don't know if you know this. I'm not making these up. These are actual phobias that are documented. There is pogonophobia. Pogonophobia is the fear of beards. The fear of beards. Pogonophobia. There is coolrophobia. Coolrophobia is the fear of clowns. I get that one. They are scary. I don't know whoever thought, you know, let's smear a bunch of nasty paint on somebody's face and entertain children. I don't know who thought of that. Clowns can actually be pretty scary. Chlorophobia. And then there is, and I'm not making this up. I know I like to kid around with you guys a lot. I'm not making this up. There's actually a documented name called nomophobia. Nomophobia is the fear of not being able to get a signal on your cell phone. (laughs) Not making it up. And you know some people like, some of you are people like that. And I don't know how they came up with the name. Here's my theory. It's like, I got no mo signal. (laughs) No mo phobia. Because you got no mo signal. You need to be free of that thing. But let's be real. Even if you don't have a particular phobia, right? And, and, you know, to be honest with you, some of these phobias are, are pretty serious things that some people face. The fact of the matter is, to some degree or another, every single one of us, struggles with fear. Even though I walk through the valley of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Here's the remedy. Because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That's the rest of verse 4. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Look at that first part. For you are with me. The greatest comfort to fearful sheep was to be in the presence of their shepherd. The thing that will bring greatest comfort to you and me in our times of fear, is to always remember that God is with us. That the Bible says he will never leave us nor forsake us. That he is our abiding good shepherd. You know, God is omnipresent, so he can be at all places at all times. And he can be with you as much as he's with me, as much as he's with somebody else in your row. Because God is with each of us and cares for each of us. And it is his presence that we need to be reminded of when we're going through those valleys. When you're going through a valley, whatever particular valley it might be, it is some worried place, some dark place, some discouraging place, some fearful place. Always remember, God is with you. God is with you. God is right there with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And David himself experienced a few valleys of his own. He experienced the valley of fear. Remember, in in the Bible, it tells us for 10 years, David was on the run from King Saul who was continually trying to kill him. Because Saul was jealous of young David, who was going to be the next king of Israel. For 10 years, can you imagine running for your life for 10 years, hiding in different places because someone was trying to kill you? David knew the valley of fear. David knew the valley of rejection. The valley of rejection. You know, the Bible doesn't tell us too much about his home life growing up. But we have one verse that gives us... Real insight into David's home life growing up as a boy. He writes it in Psalm 27, verse 10. This is what David said. Though my father and mother forsake me, yet the Lord will receive me. It's Psalm 27, 10. Though my father and mother forsake me, yet the Lord will receive me. Now you say, are you stretching too much to think that his family rejected him by one verse? I don't think so. Let me give you an example. Do you remember when David was a young boy... And God had providentially determined to select him as the next king of Israel to replace Saul. And God dispatches Samuel the prophet to go to the house of Jesse, that's the father of David, to anoint one of the sons of Jesse to be the next king of Israel. 
Now, Samuel doesn't know which son it is. And by the way, Jesse had eight sons. So Samuel just shows up and he's relying on the voice of the Lord and, and the still small voice of the Holy Spirit to show Samuel which is the son to be anointed. And so he goes to Jesse's home. Samuel does. Samuel says, Jesse, I need you to put out all your sons. One, one of your sons is going to be the next king of Israel. And Jesse parades seven of his eight sons in front of Samuel. Samuel goes down each one from the oldest down to the youngest in the room. And Samuel says, uh, sorry, Jesse, and none of these the Lord is telling me is to be the next king of Israel. These are fine-looking young men, handsome, bright, but they're not supposed to be the king. You Surely, do you have another son somewhere? And Jesse goes, oh, well, yeah, I got this little kid, the youngest one out in the fields. Now think about this. Jesse did not even think enough of David to bring him in for the lineup in front of Samuel. So I think in Psalm 27:10, when David says, though my father and mother reject me, the Lord will receive me. I think there's something going on in his household. I think he experienced some rejection growing up. And maybe your mom and dad has forsaken you. Maybe for some of you, you don't even know who your biological mom or dad is. I want you to know the Lord will receive you. Though your father and mother may reject you, the Lord receives you. And that's why David writes here, you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It is your presence. He's been through the valley of fear. He's been through the valley of rejection. David's been through the valley of sin. His whole adultery and his whole affair with Bathsheba. I mean, that was a low point in his life, as it should be. But then the prophet Nathan confronts him, and what does David do? He quickly repents, says how much he is so sorry before the Lord. He writes Psalm 51, which we'll eventually get to, but starts like this. David says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. And David understood, this is a loving shepherd who has seen me through the darkest valleys of my life because he's always been with me. And God forgave him for his sin of adultery, and God forgives us when we come clean with God and we repent of our sins. So whatever valley you might be going through or have gone through or are presently going through, please never forget, your good shepherd is with you and he loves you and he'll see you through. God doesn't promise us the mountaintop experiences for every day of our life, but what he does promise us is that when we are in the valleys, he's with us. And I can tell you this from having talked to enough people over the course of 25 years of ministry, that those who have gone through some very painful valleys in your life, it's a true statement what I'm about to say. You've gone through some very painful valleys in your life. And I've heard so many people say this kind of thing in so many words. They've said this to me. Though I don't want to go through it again, and though I don't wish it on anyone else, I'm thankful I went through it. And why are they thankful they went through it? Because oftentimes in the valley is when that relationship with Christ becomes even more precious and even more real. And by the way, it is the reason why in this fourth verse, the pronoun for God changes for the rest of the psalm. It goes from he to you. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Just look, glance back up at the earlier verses where it was all about he. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Then you get to verse 4, and he says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And the pronoun changes for the rest of the psalm. Because there's nothing like a valley that will draw you even closer to the Lord. 
And suddenly God goes from he to you. You are my personal Lord, and you are right there with me the whole time I go through this. You are my shepherd. You lead me in paths of righteousness for your name's sake, not based on my goodness, but based on your goodness. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you, you, Lord, my personal Savior, you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, what is this part about the rod and staff? And this is the last part here that that we're looking at together. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I've heard, you know, different teachers on this passage and read different commentaries, and I'm going to depart a little bit from some of the conventional wisdom. I'm entitled to be wrong. Just let me be if if I want. But I share this with you, and here's here's what I'm disagreeing with. A lot of times when you read about how the shepherd's rod and staff are there, it's usually taught this way. The rod is corrective and the uh, staff is comforting. And the rod is to be used to discipline the sheep. And when they do wrong, to smack them around a little bit. And, and so in God's correction with us, it is an expression of his love for us. Okay, I get that theoretically, right? And, you know, the passage in Hebrews which talks about how God disciplines those whom he loves. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but, but painful. However, it produces a harvest of righteousness for those who have been trained by it. I, I get that. And, and if you've known the Lord for very long in your personal lives... You also know what it is to be disciplined by God. And he does do that because he loves us. That said, I don't think that's the context of this passage. Because he builds all this saying, I'm walking through the valley of shadow of death. I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. This is a message of comfort. The rod of a shepherd was like a club that was used to fight off the predators to defend the sheep. This is not a psalm about the shepherd going around beating the sheep once for your own good smack. You know, that's not what that's about. This is a statement where David is saying, and thankfully, like a good shepherd who takes the rod to fight off the predators, the coyotes, the wolves, the lions, to protect the sheep, my good shepherd is my defender. That's how I'm comforted because I know that God is defending me. God fights for me. God cares about me and loves me, that he's going to fight for me. He's going to defend me, all right? And then the other part about the staff, yes, that is more of the comforting thing also. And again, most of us are familiar with the shepherd's staff. It has this crook at the end. And the crook of the shepherd's staff was used by a shepherd to rescue sheep. Because again, they're not the smartest animal on the farm. And so sometimes they'd fall into little ravines and they couldn't get up. And, you know, they'd be bleating there. And so the shepherd would turn the staff upside down and use the crook to kind of lasso them by the neck or by a leg, some part of their body to be able to pull them up. This is a picture of the shepherd rescuing his fallen sheep. And if you've ever fallen in a sinful way, oh, how wonderful it is to know that you have a shepherd who loves you enough to rescue you and not to leave you there because God loves to rescue the fallen and bind up the brokenhearted to forgive us of our sins because our good shepherd loves us, that his rod will defend us and his staff will rescue us. And therefore, I'm comforted. I don't know for you out of these two verses today where you might be. First of all, some of you are on the wrong path and you know it and you need Jesus. I'll just say it to you straight. You just need Jesus. You just need a relationship with Jesus Christ to lead you in paths of righteousness. For others of you, you're in a dark valley and you need to be reminded that God is with you and his rod and his staff will comfort you. But wherever you are, the good news is that your good shepherd loves you 
wants to help you and died to save you. We're so glad you joined us for Pastor Gary's message today. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching in the book of Psalms and that God is whispering the words of comfort and strength to your heart. If you'd like to learn more about Cornerstone Connection, visit our website at cornerstoneconnection.cc. There you can hear all of Pastor Gary's messages through this book, as well as the entire Bible. Be sure to check out the companion resources while you're there, found under the Teachings tab. These digital study guides are meant to give you even more insight into some of the studies Pastor Gary has done and are available free of charge to you at cornerstoneconnection.cc. We'd love to connect with you and hear more about how God is working in your life. Feel free to join the conversation on our Facebook page or check out what's going on at Cornerstone Connection on Twitter or Instagram. We're here to chat with you in person too. So give us a call at 703-771-1500. Let us know how we can be praying for you That number again is 703-771-1500. That's all we have time for today. Pastor Gary will have much more to share from his verse-by-verse study through Psalms when you join us again, right here on Cornerstone Connection. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.